Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a, another great episode for you. Uh, we will go over a little NHL Stanley Cup playoff preview, uh, talk about some uh, an, some more movement in the uh, number one draft pick uh, NFL odds. Uh, but first, uh, going to talk a little NBA action. Uh, as we record this, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, just one defensive player of the year. Uh, if you were listening last week, we talked about a, a ticket that sold five different times uh, for uh, Triple J to win to win the award. Uh, and so uh, I think I mentioned how everyone had made money of that transaction. So now add another person uh, who, who made money because uh, the, the ticket cash for, I believe it was like $4,000 or something like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, it was, it was a, I think it was, I, I didn't see what the, the, final voting was, but uh, a lot of people, um, you know, having tickets on Mobley, Brooke Lopez, um, but uh, Triple J, despite playing not that many games and not that many minutes, he uh, he still wins uh, wins the award. Yeah, we had a customer reach out to me on Friday night asking if he could list a monster Evan Mobley bet. He saw him at 10 to 1. Um, did this customer see Mobley at 10 to one odds to win defensive player of the year? So, and that he said that was this weekend. Um, so, you know, I, it seems like it came down to the wire, but for all, you know, we've been following along. It seems like triple J is, was mostly uh, in control. I know Lopez made a late, late push. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Lopez was the favorite at the beginning of the year and then triple J what became the favorite. And then there was a little back and forth, but uh, triple J was definitely the favorite uh, for the majority of, of the season. Um, and then I had a customer reach out to me with a monster Brooke Lopez ticket. So uh, I do think the, the locked in, the locked in uh, betters may have known or had a, had a strong feeling that it was going to be triple J. And so uh, they were looking to, uh, to lock in some money before it was too late. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, another, another kind of great sale where, uh, everyone makes money. Um, but the other thing about the NBA I wanted to uh, quickly touch on was just the amount of upsets that we saw over the weekend, five teams that were series favorites lost game one in no particular order. They were the Suns, Cavs, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Bucks. All those teams entered uh, as the favorite to win the series and lost game one. Now, three of those five I just mentioned are still the favorites to to win the series, those being um, Suns, Warriors, and Bucks are still the favorites, and we are recording this uh, as uh, game two is about to start, so uh, take that for, for what that's worth. But of those five teams I just mentioned, um, you know, I, I know a lot of – oftentimes people overreact to, to game one of a series, but – Let's let's overreact here for a second. Of those five teams I just mentioned, which are you least confident in that can recover and and win the series? Least confident in from a team that lost game one to come back and win it. Um, I honestly think that there that I I've said for a month that I think the Kings. We can and we're going into this later, but I think the Kings could push this team. I really do. Um, so, you know, I, I guess my answer has to be the Warriors. I'm least confident that the Warriors can recover and pull this, pull off four wins in the next six games. 
Okay. Um, I would like to say the Suns uh, against the Clippers, uh, but and we'll get more into the Suns and Staker swap, but uh, mm. I'm going to kind of cheat and just go off of what the current odds are, and I'm, my pick is going to be the Grizzlies because the Lakers are now a huge favorite in that series. And if you watch that game, you know, I mean, obviously it was there was a point in time where Anthony Davis said, I can't feel my arm. So that was probably a little mm-hmm. scary for, for Lakers betters, but he came back. And uh, when when he's on the floor and they're clicking, like they are, the Lakers are actually a really good team. Like the the, the moves they made at the trade deadline uh, was, was great. And um, Austin Reeves is balling out. Rui Hachimura had a great game that, you know, you probably won't see that again, but uh, they're actually a pretty well-constructed team uh, that can go, you know, seven, eight deep, which is you know really all you need in the playoffs. You don't you don't need a ten man rotation. You need like seven or eight. Uh, and so, um, it, and I realize this is a huge if, but if Anthony Davis can can stay on the court, uh, I actually really do think that the Lakers are a solid team. And uh, I know John Morant hurt his hand. I'm not sure what the update on that is, but um, yeah, my my pick is going to be. Uh, I think the Grizzlies are, are are toast. And just they've had so many issues this this season. I it's just I think it's always a it's. You're not trending in the right direction when you know your your star players being suspended for something he posted on IG Live, and then I saw some other story about him like suing someone. I think about for like defamation. It's just like this, these are not the distractions you need in in the playoffs. No, to, so you're trying to beat LeBron James, and you have a lawsuit going on, and you're also brandishing a gun 60 days ago on a strip club. Probably not going to work in your favor of competing with one of the greatest ever to play basketball. Yeah. Um, the, the, the show, the stat about like the number of playoff games, LeBron James has played versus the number of playoff games that the entire Grizzlies roster has played. And LeBron is way more than the entire Grizzlies roster. Now, you know, LeBron, uh, he has the record for most playoff games played. So, um, there might be a lot of teams where, where you see that, but, uh, yeah, I, I just think that the experience and the depth of the Lakers is, is going to win out, um, in that series. Um, but again, like I said, also don't I, I I always try not to overreact to game one because uh oftentimes people will will see some upset in game one and then you know again and that's kind of where I'm leaning towards with the Kings and the Warriors. Like, you know, if mm-hmm. if a couple shots go the Warriors' ways at the at the end of the fourth quarter of game one, then then you know they, they win the game. So I'm trying not to overreact sure. to that. Uh and also it's like, you know, the famous saying the series doesn't start until uh, a home team uh, until until a road team wins a game. So um, still still a long way to go in that in that Warriors uh, King series. But that is yep. that was probably by far like the most fun game one to watch of of all of them. Definitely, um, yeah. So, I think back to to the NFL when like everyone freaks out over week one, like oh like the Bills lost the first week to the Jets, so like the Bills are going to be terrible this year. It's like no, it's just some rust and. It's the way too small sample size to be making to determine the rest of the playoffs. So um, it's very analogous to NFL Week One. So let's not let's not freak out. But um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, look, the the odds agree with you. Minus three twenty, the Lakers are to win the series. So quite a flip. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving on. Um. Switching sports. The NFL draft. Uh. Is uh. It's like it's like next week. Um, yeah. Round one of the NFL draft is April twenty seventh. Uh, Pop quiz: Do you know what city the draft is going to be held in? Gosh, uh, it'd be Vegas or Cleveland, but those are the last two, right? Yeah, no. Uh, time's up. It, it is Kansas City. The draft mm-hmm. is going to be in Kansas City this year. 
Um, the 2021 Heisman winner, Bryce Young, opened as a minus 150 favorite to be the first overall selection, followed by C.J. Stroud second at plus 350. And then, uh, as we've talked about on the podcast before, Anthony Richardson was 200 to 1 uh, when the odds opened. Uh, and then after the QBs worked out at the combine in early March and Richardson was just a freak of nature and all these things, he skyrocketed up the odds board uh, and got as low as plus 350, did uh, Anthony Richardson. Then a week later is when the Bears traded the number one pick to, to Carolina. And then all of a sudden, with no real firm evidence, C.J. Stroud like overnight became the favorite at minus 320 just off of that Carolina uh, trade to, to get them one pick. And I think some people were saying that, you know, just, you know, their, their sources were saying uh, that, that Carolina likes CJ Stroud. Again, this is the NFL draft pre stuff is like, it's just source season. Like, you know, my sources say, and it's like that your sources could be your next door neighbor. I have no idea. Um, yeah. And so, I think, yeah. So I think back to the Trey Lance situation where the Niners picked Trey Lance. I'm like, I think everyone fell out of their chair when yeah. they did that. It was like such an upset for the Niners to go and pick Trey Lance that early. That was, that was wild. So no, nobody knows. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Stroud became the minus three twenty favorite while Bryce young slipped to plus three fifty. But now in the last couple of days, after more sourced reports, young is back to an overwhelming favorite at minus 400 and Stroud is at plus three seventy. So in a very short period of time, we've had, Richardson go from 200 to one to three and a half to one Stroud go from minus 320 to plus 370 and Bryce Young go from plus 350 to minus 400. So um, yeah. Bryce Young right now is minus 1500 to be the number one overall pick at FanDuel. Oh, you know what? That might have been those odds I grabbed might have been as of like early, early this morning. So yeah, he, yeah. he went he went bananas today like. I've seen him at minus two thousand, Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick. So like crazy, crazy moving on this on this Monday, ten days before the draft. And and we saw this with the the NBA draft uh, too last summer, where you know uh, the I'm, I'm like Jabari Smith, you know he skyrocketed mm-hmm. to be to be the favorite. And then like the night before the draft, there was uh, all this you know Paolo Bancaro rumor, and it was like, well the mat you know the magic never even worked out Paolo Bancaro, so how, how could that be? So um, so. With that in mind, my question to you is, do you think we will see Bryce Young as we go, you know, as as the draft comes up, like day of the draft, will Bryce Young still be an overwhelming favorite? Or do you think we have one more crazy move in us between now and when the the pick gets made? No, I I think one is now done. To be minus 1,500 or minus 2,000, like, I think that's that trade has closed. Who's going to be the number one overall pick? Now it's just, to me, it's around the rest of the top 10. Two, three, you know, Will Anderson is right now the favorite to go number two. Um, maybe Stroud goes there. What are the Colts number two? Um, yes, Carolina, Houston, Cardinals, Arizona number three. So where, Colts are where, where are the, the Colts? Colts are four. Got it. Um, but so I'll just make this caveat that when you see Bryce Young is minus 1500, no one knows bleep, right? And what ends up happening is is what uh, a term in sports betting called steam, right? And yeah. so it's like a snowball that just picks up. And when you know someone 
just a general better or whoever like sees the odds start moving, they just automatically assume, oh, someone knows something. The sportsbook knows something. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna bet at minus five hundred, and then and then it just snowballs to minus fifteen hundred, and um, the sportsbook has by taking in a lot of bets today. The you know they're they're probably maybe a little nervous that Bryce Young gets drafted, but that's not a I don't think that's all informed money. I think that is people tailing just the odds movement and, and and assuming that someone else out there has has inside info. I'm not saying, you know, Bryce Young won't go number one, but I I don't necessarily I, I never think that, that that big of a movement a week and a half before the draft is somehow indicative of of inside knowledge necessarily. Totally fair. Totally fair. That could be pure steam. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I could see another crazy odds movement with CJ Stroud and then people being like, yeah, like we, you know, the people who were saying Stroud after the trade happened were right, you know, and it, this is just like steam based off of Bryce Young having a great score on his like Wonderlick exam, which now they call it something different, but uh, Bryce Young yeah. did very well on his, on his like, you know, test that he had to take. Um, yeah. So, IQ exams. Like, yeah. I think it leads football, but I think it's like an overall IQ exam. Yeah. And again, I mean, it, there's plenty of reasons to pick Bryce Young, but uh, you know, to pick a quarter, you know, pick a quarterback solely based off that one thing, I think is a little uh, short-sighted. Um, so uh, definitely more to come. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking more draft next week, and then uh, the week after that, after the the uh, the cards fall where they do. Um, yeah. I was just gonna add, like, to have NBA favorites, you know, all drop game one, like you said, five really public teams all drop game one. For this volatility to be going after the NFL draft, I mean, great for prop swap betters. You know, you could be buying and selling all this all day long. So um, hopefully people have some um, Bryce Young tickets that they can lock in some cash on, on him to be the number one overall pick now that he's, you know, minus 2,000, minus 1,500. And then, you know, if you had a Lakers series price ticket, that, that's uh, that's uh, more than doubled by now off of one game. And they, of course, could still lose the series, obviously. So. Um, this is the time to lock in some cash. Yeah. Um, when we when we talked about the Anthony Richards thing, a- Anthony Richardson thing back in March, like after the combine, I mean, I, it was that was crazy, and and a ton of people locked in uh, locked in money uh, at the right time, right? And you know, I think the the got him early, knowing that he would ball out at the combine. He proceeded to ball out the combine. Odds go up, and then they just and the and they cashed out right there. So that was a that was a great. Uh, kind of prop swap transactions uh, back in March and deep down in my, and I was like I was hoping the rich richer thing would just like continue a little longer I was like, yeah. let's, like let's keep the this, the momentum going a little longer and it, it ended up I think it's tailed off and, and no one's really considering him to be the, the number one overall pick yeah number one's probably not gonna happen he's 26 to one and then 26 to one number two but plus 210 number three so um clearly I mean that'd be crazy if the Cardinals pick Richardson, that'd be weird, but it's possible. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're done with the Calamari experiment. Um, it would be great if sports books when they opened like the number one, uh, the odds for number one pick. They also had like odds to go in the top three, odds to go in the top five. Like when you're that far out, because mm-hmm. um, I definitely would have hopped on Richardson to go top three or top five, uh, which also would probably would have been very long odds at that at that point in time too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a little lesson: there will always be at least one quarterback that no one is thinking about back in December, January, and never underestimate teams. Uh, just falling in love. They fall in love. 
Yeah, they fall they fall in love and they all know that their quarterback is is the you know the thing that's going to make or break their team. And so it's like people will reach for quarterbacks and you know cuz you know Tom McShay comes out with their big board and he ranks like you know, the quality of the players, but like you always have to put in like a huge amount of emphasis on the fact that teams need a quarterback. Most of the league does not like their quarterback and would easily give them up for someone else. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there will always be some sort of freak of nature, you know, Trey Lance, you know, to, uh, you know, just that comes out of nowhere and, and, and goes in the top three. Mitch Trubisky, like why, why did anyone reach above Mahomes to grab that guy? Just, it happens. It's clockwork. And, and again, to your point, like, it's a it's the obviously the most valuable position in sports. A ton of teams aren't happy with their existing person running the the offense. So I get it. Like you, you got to gamble and you got to um spend a lot of draft capital to solve that you know, solve that problem. So I understand it. Um it's I of course in hindsight so many of the decisions were wrong. Um you know, Brock Purdy of course last year has looked exponentially better than Trey Lance ever looked. Of course, that has to do with availability versus talent potentially, but you know, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant did it. And Trey Lance was the Niners gave up a ton of draft stock to grab him. So it's just such an imperfect science. It's, it's, I don't envy their, their positions, but it's sure fun to gamble on it. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, switching to another sport, uh, the Stanley cup playoffs begin this week. Um, and so, Luke, you are much more locked in on, on hockey than, than, than I am. Um, part of the reason, and I'll keep this complaint to 20 seconds, I live in Denver. I cannot watch Avalanche games on my Xfinity cable that I pay way too much for. And so I feel like that hurts, you know, because in Vegas, I would watch Golden Knights games and I would see Golden Knights play other teams. And it kind of gave me a better sense of the other teams in the league and um, especially like in that division. Um, but if the fact that I can't watch Avs games for uh, reasons I don't, I don't feel like getting into, uh, but just a dispute between Comcast and the, and Stan Kroenke, who owns the network and the team, um, you, you're, you're more locked in uh, on hockey than I am. So I am going to fire off three rapid fire questions. Uh, keep, you know, keep the answers uh, under a minute. Question number one, what is the most intriguing round one matchup that I should make sure I watch every game of? Rangers-Devils. Um, cross, cross the river. Rangers got a lot better adding our uh, beloved Patrick Kane, who was a career Blackhawk, won three Stanley Cups here. He's now on the Rangers. Um, and the Devils have came, you know, have had pretty much post to post, have looked amazing. Um, they're now down to like, down to like single digits in some places to win the Stanley Cup, um, the Devils' futures odds. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a, a really fun series. They're, they're close. The geography is super close. So, um, yeah, that's my answer. Good answer. Question number two. Bruins versus the field, which would you take? Field. What if um, I gave you Bruins and Avalanche versus the field. <laughs> Bruins and Avalanche. I think the Avalanche either get there or win again. I know repeating is super, super difficult, but man, are they good. Okay. Um, question number three. Does Connor McDavid need a Stanley Cup appearance this year to help cement his legacy? And, I, and I'll give some context. 
McDavid is the first player to get 150 points in the season since Mario Lemieux did it in 1996. This season is the fifth time he's led the league in points. Uh, He is a lock to win his third MVP. Uh, But let me go through his playoff record. Uh, McDavid entered the league in the 2015-16 season. And so I'm going to read off his playoff performances uh, since 2016. 2016, missed the playoffs. 2017, lost in the second round. 2018, missed playoffs. 2019, missed playoffs. 2020 was that weird bubble season where they lost in like the qualifying round. So I'm just going to say they missed the playoffs. 2021, lost in the first round. Last year, they got to the conference finals and lost in the conference finals to, to the Avs. Uh, and uh, obviously this year they're uh, they're just getting started. So uh, not the best playoff performance, uh, playoff performances for the Oilers, uh, and it has definitely got to be a bit of a blemish on uh, what is an otherwise stellar resume. So does he need to get the furthest he's ever been, which is to the Stanley Cup at the very least, to, to cement his legacy? Unfortunately, yes. Um, I kind of group him into the Dan Marino category right now, like, so obviously one of the best to ever do it, but big asterisk. If you don't get it done when it's needed most, especially in Canada um, on a team that I think Edmonton's an original six team, I think. Um, but, you know, legacy hockey team in, you know, the capital of, of the sport, um, Canada, where it's like 70% or 65% of all NHL players are from Canada. Like you got to get it done up there. So unfortunately, yes, he is, a, of course, a freak of nature. Like I said, one of the best to ever play hockey, but yeah, you got to get to the Stanley Cup, and he's probably got to win one if you want to be mentioned with the great ones. Of course, he, uh, for, uh, Wayne Gretzky, of course, was played for the Oilers for like nine years. Yeah, um, love it or hate it, uh, professional athletes are—it's a—it's a ring culture, uh, and it's—it's uh, it's always been a resume. You know, look at Charles Barkley, right? I mean, he to this day he still gets you know. Uh, joked about, you know, like Kenny Smith and Shaq give him, you know, give him crap for, for never having won, won a ring. So um, I would, I would agree. And, and I'm just saying to get to the Stanley Cup play, you know, get to the Stanley Cup final, you know, obviously winning it would just absolutely put him in a, in a certain uh, class of, of players um, that he's already starting to put up numbers next to. Um, and then one other uh, housekeeping thing I wanted to touch on before we get into stake or swap. Uh, last week was a was a relatively big moment uh, in the, in the company. Um, as some of you may or may not know, uh, PropSwap has not been active in Nevada since two, September 2021. Um, this was based off of a basically a a different opinion from the game control board than they had from the, the previous six years. But uh, nevertheless, the game control board um, interpreted the laws a certain way, basically saying that prop swap needed a sports book license to, to operate uh, in the state. Uh, and um, basically we decided that like the best way to resolve this issue was going to be through creating like a new law, you know, le- legislatively kind of fix this issue. Um, one kind of quirky thing about Nevada is that their legislature meets every other year for like six months. So when we got this news in September 2021, the soonest we could address this was now, right? The the, the Nevada legislature has not met from that point in time until until right now. So um, 
uh, what ended up happening was that uh, there was a bill that got written by some students at the UNLV Law School um, that talked about basically creating a framework for sports wagering ticket brokers. Uh, we caught wind of this about a month or two ago. Uh, we obviously provided our feedback to, to the students, but it was completely a bill written by, by them. Uh, and so last week I was in Carson City. Little known fact, that is the capital of Nevada. I've, met, I've now met a lot of people who have never even heard of Carson City. And I'm like, actually, it is one of 50 capitals in this, in this country, believe it or not. Uh, I think most people always just assume like whatever the biggest city of, like, of a state is, uh, is, is the capital. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was in Carson City. I testified in support of, of their bill. Um, you know, the, the opposition, like I mentioned, the, the want us and other companies like us to get a sports book license that is not feasible for many reasons. Uh, and so, um, the good guys won were, you know, that battle number one, there's still a long way to go. So it passed out of its first committee. Uh, it now needs to go to a second committee. It'll go to the floor and then it'll need to get signed by the governor. So, um, still, much more work to do, but uh, it was a great first step in terms of prop swap coming back to Nevada. So I'm sure there are people listening to this who are going to be very happy to, to hear that news. Definitely. Yeah. So if anyone does, you know, know someone in assembly, certainly mention it to them. We're, we're working on it. We've spent a lot of money lobbying and hiring lawyers and flying in out there and, you know, to get prop swap back, and we view this as a, a literally a personal rights issue. Like you should be able to sell your ticket if you want on a secondary market. It's your ticket. You paid for it. So uh, if anyone knows anyone that works in the Nevada legislature regulation industry, we'd love to help. But um, yeah, at the end's point, one battle of probably four or five is uh, one to prop swap. Yeah. Um, you know, got, got to take the victories uh, where, where you can. And, uh, and last week was absolutely a, a victory. Um, you know, if nothing else, you know, what seven state senators all voted yes on on the bill. So uh, it was seven to zero unanimous vote in this one particular committee. Um, but like I said, it's going to go to a bunch of other different people who have no idea this what this is because they're busy, you know, working on their bills. And, and so it's going to be just kind of starting from scratch with a bunch of new people. But um, but yeah, I mean, you got you got to start somewhere. So uh, we're, st we're still alive in the state, uh, you know, with the fight. So. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll have more good news to report uh, on the matter uh, in the coming weeks and months. But, um, yeah, thank you to everyone who, you know, for your support. And, uh, you know, when I tell people that we are working very hard on this thing, I, I'm not kidding. We, you know, I was, I was, I put my lobbying hat on last week and I'm just running around the, the Capitol, you know, trying to meet with as many people as possible. And, um, you know, but we're, uh, we continue to fight. So thank you to everyone. Uh, and so without further ado, it is that time of the show for steak or swap. First up, we will be discussing the Phoenix Suns, um, currently sitting at five to one to win the finals, despite losing game one. Uh, I will go first. I am swapping the Suns at, at five to one. Um, we talked about the issue of continuity when, when that, when the Kevin Durant trade happened. And I brought up the fact that like, when's the last time you saw a team win the championship when the acquired their best player mid season. Uh, and then that was before Durant got hurt. 
and sat out a bunch of games. And so this team just has not played enough games. And, and there's something to be said about, you know, having that experience with, with each other on the court at the same time. Um, you know, I, I don't care uh, who you are. They went down by 15 in the second quarter. And granted, yes, they made a huge comeback and retook the lead. But you go down 15 at home uh, against a team that you should be way better than. Uh, that is not a good sign. Um, Kawhi balled out. I mean, if Kawhi, you know, forget Paul George. If Kawhi is playing at his peak, he's a very hard. He's a very hard player to stop. Um, you know, everyone's talking about. Russ, Russell Westbrook uh, and the bad shooting performance he had, but no one's really talked about the fact that Chris Paul went two for eight. Uh, and so he's always had struggles in the playoffs. Uh, and then just the last point, you know, Russ is probably going to continue to have bad shooting performances, but uh, do not underestimate how much he wants to beat Kevin Durant. And he is going to throw the kitchen sink in terms of like effort wise on the defensive end, because he so badly wants to beat KD in this series. Um, and and then last last point, I think Ty Lue is a super underrated coach. Uh, and in these playoff series, it's all about adjustments and and you know figuring out the other team's weaknesses. So um, for those reasons, I think the Suns could be very vulnerable. And even if they do beat the Clippers, I think that they would lose to the Nuggets again, a team that has a ton of continuity. So for those reasons, swapping Suns at, at five to one. Uh, provide some context. West, Westbrook and KD just hate each other. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, they played with each other on the Thunder, and then, you know, uh, Durant left the Thunder uh, to go sign with the Warriors and, like, didn't even tell didn't even tell Russ. And, like, it. it's, it's, been, it's been bad blood ever since then. All goes back to the Thunder. Yeah. Got it. Um, completely agree. Swapping the Suns at 5-1, to one, you're losing to the Clippers at home without Paul George? Like, I, I don't get it. Um, totally agree with, with your logic of... Um, cohesion is critical to success when there's a bunch of egos going on. Devin Booker plus Chris Paul plus DeAndre Aiden's kind of had this like weird, you know, attitude. Um, Just the four of them being playing as a unit. It just takes a long time. It takes a long time. I don't care what sport it is, but most importantly, I think is basketball. I think back to the, you know, the um, big three of, of course, um, you know, Wayne Wade and Bosch and LeBron. They just took a while to get going. It's just these egos take a while to blend. So, and the fact that the odds even haven't even moved that much, like they're still, it's still like plus 500 in some books. Like I am swapping that. I don't understand it. I don't trust them. There's plenty of other talented teams in the West. So swapping Phoenix at five to one. Yeah. Um, there was plays the Suns were running where it was like a Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden pick and roll with each other while Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are just standing on the side, you know, and, and you know, it's just, it's the run plays for Aiden Paul. And it's like, you've got two of the best scorers in the league just sitting there like on, on like, you know, on the wings. Um, but sticking in the Western conference, the next team we're going to talk about is the Sacramento Kings currently 40 to one to win the championship uh, as we record this like I said that was uh, this is prior to game two uh, of, of the Kings Warrior series um, so Luke you start first are you staking or swapping the Kings yeah I am going to stake the Kings at 40 to one um, and I hope everyone is picking up on the trends that I tend to lay out on this podcast this is a classic uh, if I'm getting 40 to one on the Kings, and you're telling me the Suns are five to one, and the Warriors are around nine to one. 
Um, I will take the four X return and, and Kings over Warriors, and I will take the eight X return Kings over Suns by getting that forty to one number, sticking all in the West. Um, like we've discussed, I think the Lakers have a very good chance of winning the West. Uh, I just think it's going to be such a jumbled up Western Conference. That maybe the Clippers make a push past Phoenix. Like it is just such a crapshoot that I am not confident in any of those three teams at single digit odds. We haven't even talked about the Nuggets. Nuggets are plus eight hundred. Um, so if I get forty to one on a team that I've thought for months can push teams in the West, I'll I'll get way more return on my money. I'll stake the Kings. Um. I'm going to swap the Kings, uh, even though I and I talked about last week. There's look out for some team that's going to be a long shot that that makes the Final Four. But so you know, we, I know we just discussed continuity, which the Kings have a ton of this season. Like they've been the healthiest team this season. But the other thing I I always kind of try and look for in the playoffs is experience, right? I mean, I would love to see a graphic if if the Kings play the Lakers next round. I would love to see a graphic of yeah, LeBron I, playoff games versus King. I mean, who was the most playoff games? Like Kevin Herter from his time at the Hawks. Like yeah. so, as much of a good story as it is, I'm not I'm not ready to write the Warriors off. Uh, like I said, they could lose both at Sacramento and still come back and you know win win, win the series and. Um, it's been a great story. They've got a ton of great players. De'Aaron Fox has been balling out as a bonus, but the fact that the, none of these people have serious playoff experience, I do feel like is going to come back and, and bite them at some point. If they do beat the Warriors, then they're going to play, play the Lakers, right? Like, and, and that'll be a thing, you know? So I don't know for, I just, I would not be putting my money on a team with such little playoff experience, but that's yeah. my, my take personally. Yeah. If, they, if they're up three to one against a super healthy Warriors team, I'd still be a little bit uneasy. So I get it. Um, yeah. The bet is that number will just go down and you can flip it. And the, the West is just so jumbled up that like might as well take the team with the highest return on my money. Yep. Um, well, that will do it for, for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating. If you've got any questions for us, we, we'd be happy to answer them on the podcast. Send your questions to info, I-N-F-O, at propswap.com. Uh, tell a friend. Uh, but we will be back next week with an all-new episode. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. 